Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Life is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Clifton on the back end as Arizona changes. Sabres find a seam right up the middle. That puck bounces, scores! Kyle Poser follows up on the play and buries it. Puck comes back to the point. Shot by Clifton. There's a rebound. Robinson scores! Welcome to the Saberhood, Eric Robinson. With a puck down on the stick of Kyle Poser. Here's a shot. Scores! Peyton Cruz! He wasted zero time. Feeds it through. Here's Paterka driving right down the middle. And a bad save. Puck comes back in front. They score. Vimelka made the first stop, but that puck comes back out in front in a hurry. Krebs in front. Looking for Benson. Couldn't tip that one in. There's a shot off the far wall. Rasmus Dahlin into the empty net. That's the one the Sabres needed. They're fifth of the night. They're up 5 to 2. Sabres take a three-game point streak west now, and the Donkeys on duty are back. That's Donkey 43 over there. <laughs> I am uh, a donkey with no name or number. I'm Marty uh, the Goat, not Donkey 43. I'm okay. Marty the Goat. Can I borrow your number? I'll be Donkey 43. You're Marty the Goat. Uh, <laughs> give me back my pocket square. Hey, it's right here. <laughs> it's right here. One and oh, and I borrowed Duffer's pocket oh, square. No. And we throw a flag and all the rest of the stupidity. What an interview, first of all, with uh, Dane and Josh pregame with the Bandits. And, uh, you know, we put them in tough situation asking them about the celebration. And Dane goes, I, if I could remember any of it, maybe I'd say I had the most fun. But that was awesome. Yeah, those guys are, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's been really great as a lifelong lacrosse fan to just watch the evolution of the game and the commitment to the sport. Uh, from those at the highest level as they continue to strive to put the game in a better place that is more, you know, more broadly received yes. and seen um, by, you know, as many eyeballs as possible. And uh, obviously we expect a ton of them to be uh, focused on the banner raising for the bandits yep. this Saturday when Buffalo will be completing game three of their road trip that night in Arizona. You know how people say to me all the time, Duffer, and you laugh, oh, you're a lot taller than we thought you were. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost said to Josh yesterday, wow, you're a lot skinnier than I thought you were. Because, like, lacrosse guys are supposed to be burly, like, tough. They, they, he's tall and thin, but mm-hmm. he's agile and he's explosive. Like, and Dane's a little bit more stockier, upper body-wise, right? So mm-hmm. that's 
So when Josh sat next to me, he's got this very slim face and the whole thing. I'm like, I would have thought that, you know, watching him on the, on the, on the court or on the field or whatever they call it. Um, I would think that he was a little bit stockier, but no, that's, that's probably why he's so agile. He's got great hands and he's quick and he's got that, you know, that look to him. The floor is what they call the floor, it. Yes. On the floor and, and or the carpet, if you prefer, but nonetheless, the bandits will have their moment again this Saturday. The Sabres will be on how long of a point streak by the time the bandits next play. Okay. I'll play along. I think, uh, you know, you watch Colorado play the last few games. They definitely have are there's some inconsistency in the game and they've had some really, really weird, you know, games mm. going on with them coming back from two goal last night to win against Calgary and everything. I'm going to say the Sabres will at least get a point there. And I wouldn't, you know, I would think they keep their winning streak here. They put it at two and three wins in the last four, if, if possible. I I would like to say they go into this this trip, um, Sabres after dark, by the way, and get a point, in, at least a point in every game. I'm going to hmm. say they get at least a point in every game. Well, the Vegas uh, game always is interesting, and it will be a daunting challenge for sure, given Ve- Vegas's uh, place in the standings and just overall depth despite injuries. So, not to mention who they're playing against. Which are we going to see Yuri Patera against the Sabers uh, no, next time they play? No. He played the other night. I know. So you know, it's, it's funny because I just enjoy watching the other two so much. I know, but it <laughs> makes you think back to last year when they used four different goalies in four mm-hmm. different straight games to win, right? With uh, mm-hmm. Patera, Hill, Thompson, and uh, Laurent Brossois. So yeah. it wasn't even Jonathan Quick. That would be the 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 guy that maybe you would think, oh, Jonathan Quick was there. No, it wasn't even Quick. It was the other four that got straight wins. So the only reason we're talking uh, ahead at this moment is because of what happened last night, which was a running of the point streak to three straight games, 2-0-1, a whole bunch of shots on goal over the last three games, and largely driven by the Krebs line. Is that fair oh, to say? It's very fair to say. I mean, offensively, yeah. I mean, can you pre- say it without dropping a few F-bombs like Don Granado did in his post-game address, where it was in the most complimentary manner that he was so impressed that that trio brought it every bleeping shift? Yes. So I, 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 I think it's important to single out that the way this line played is the way that the identity – a team can carve itself by having different layers, right? You can Not have the, the Thompson line. line. What's that? Not the fourth line, by Not the way. Not the fourth line. I still like to put, often I like to put Krebs and Oposo at the bottom of my sheet with whoever wingers there, just because that's the identity that I've always kind of assumed they would be. But, you know, sometimes you have a one, two, three, four. Sometimes you have a top six, bottom six. Uh, I feel like it's more that case with the Sabres, a top six, bottom six. Um, but the... Krebs, Oposo, and Robinson line can have their own identity. It doesn't have, they don't have to play like the Cousins line play, and they don't have to play like the Thompson line would play or Middlestat line would play. They can find their own identity, and I think that's what we're seeing now. They are producing in a different way that other lines on the team or even Rasmus Dahlin would produce. They're around the net. They are, their goals yesterday were from you know, what is it? Like Krebs are from about 25 feet out, but everybody else, like the Robinson goal, the Apostle goal are from the crease. Mm-hmm. 
That's what you want to do. And more importantly, they had the puck in the offensive zone. When you want a line to keep the, the ball rolling, so your middle stats line is going to go and, wow, they got you know offensive zone pressure. And then all of a sudden, Cousins, Paterka, Benson will go and they'll have offensive lines pressure. And then put the Krebs line out there and then they continue that. To me, that was important. Although there was a change in the lines halfway in the game where Thompson and Paterka got swapped, right? So it changed the top six a little bit, but I, I felt like their their whole game was exactly what you would want to see from a bottom six line that works hard and spends most of the night in the offensive zone. Yes, but it's also been happening with great regularity that we see Paterka with Middlestat and Skinner over the last week and a half. And yes. um, so that is a trend I would expect to continue. And I think it often brings the best out of JJ and those he plays with. The crazy part is that the line that JJ typically has been starting on um, is Cousins and Benson with him. I'm dumbfounded that we're sitting here still wondering when Dylan Cousins is going to break out. Like how many more prime wide open looks can this guy get? And it's not just like these one-offs. Like if you're take it from Benson's perspective, like it was now six games, six games have passed since he had a multi-point game, yet if you look at the nightly shots for, shots against, over this now six-game window, they're almost double the attempts for than what they have against. And I'm just, I I don't even think they're necessarily, you know, misfiring or doing something obvious that is leading to a lack of production. I, I honestly can't explain it. They should be scoring more. Like, they should be they scoring should be, more. They should be building up this team's number that we've been trying to see them get to, which is four or more on a more regular basis. So yesterday, according to Money Puck, the number one producer on the Sabres when it comes to expected goals was Eric Robinson, right? And and because he was around the net yeah. and he got rebounds, and the second guy for the Sabres in expected goals was Zach Benson. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking, oh, like – he was around it. His shots and his shot attempts were quality shot attempts. They were good location. It's what you want to see. And then Dylan Cousins is fifth. Uh, you know, JJ Paterka obviously got a goal, so he's in there. But that to me, they Cousins had that breakaway, which you know, often he gets that puck right over the pad, right? And instead, mm-hmm. like, well, it's in the pad of the goalie. There's there's so many opportunities now for Dylan Cousins that don't go in the net, but you look at the possession time again. I'll draw. I'll go back to how much did the team possess the puck in the offensive zone, and who were the guys that had the puck in the offensive zone? I was a little surprised when I looked at that list this morning, Duffer, and I pulled some numbers. Is yeah. that the number one player on the Sabers, even strength, offensive zone possession time, was Tage Thompson, and that's great because you know what? Despite the fact that is that five on five. Even strength, yeah. So five on five, four on four, whatever it would be. It was Tage Thompson. Mm -hmm. So to me, like Tage has the puck on his stick a lot. He's not shooting quite as much as as he has before, but, you know, he's just coming back and there's the hand, obviously, that he's got to adjust, but he's got the puck on his stick a ton. And it's in the offensive zone. So I think the production is going to come for Tage even more because the numbers are trending the right way. Then it's Owen Power. Number three, it's Eric Robinson. That's great. Like the newcomer is third in offensive zone possession time in a game. Mm-hmm. But you you look, Zach Benson is right there. Dylan Cousins is right there. Um, John JJ Paterka, funny on my list, it says John Paterka because mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> you know, that's what it is. But JJ, 
That's his name. <laughs> JJ Paterka is right there. So that's what you want to see. It's spread to like on three lines right now. Your offensive zone possession time is spread on three lines. So you got three lines that are spending a ton of time with the puck in the offensive zone. It's what you want to see. Yeah, and it could have been four if Brett Murray scored on his breakaway. Beautiful backhand attempt, and uh, that would have been absolutely something. But uh, fun fact, the Sabres have won each of the last three games that Brett Murray has been in the lineup going back (laughs) two years ago where they won the last two times that he was up with them. So, um, again, like it's, it's very clear based on the minutes played and the impact that they're having that the Krebs line is line number three right now. Yes. Um, I'm just not sure, you know, obviously it's a wait and see thing. How close is Alex Tuck? Um, You know, today, just for example, before they fly out for their three-game trip, which starts tomorrow night on TNT uh, in Colorado, you know, Thompson didn't skate, Oposo didn't skate, Samuelson not skating either. Um, And of course, he didn't play yesterday due to soreness, and Ryan Johnson came in and fared pretty well, as he often has. But really... There's probably not a ton of reason to maybe belabor that lack of production from the other trio at this point, because it's likely to change significantly when Tuck returns, which could be as soon as tomorrow, right? It could be as soon as tomorrow. And then obviously now you're going to have some adjustment. uh, Pause. When, When Tuck comes back, are we going to see Thompson back in the middle and then Having Middlestat and Cousins in the middle as Middlestat, well. Middlestat, Cousins, and Thompson, which is what it's supposed to be, isn't it? It's supposed to be. Um, I, I would suggest that with Greenway and Quinn in the lineup, that's what it would look like. Mm-hmm. Because you would have you wouldn't have a, a top six and a bottom six. I almost feel like you would have a top nine and a and a fourth line, kind of like in the defined roles and the way that it would look. Uh, because you would have a lot of players that could obviously provide offensively. And I'm not saying a fourth line or a bottom six trio can't provide offensively. We saw it last night with Krebs, Oposo, and Robinson. And and it's been for a few games now. Mm-hmm. But I I would want the Sabres to come back to full health with everybody available for one, two, three, Thompson, Cousins, middle stat down the middle, or whichever way you would want to, you know, order they would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you may see Tuck coming back and you, I, I don't know that Thompson goes back to the middle right away. You may put I would Tuck, put him back in the middle with Benson ASAP. You would put Thompson back in the middle with Benson mm-hmm. and with Tuck on the right. No, Tuck can go up with metal stat and Skinner. Okay. So mm-hmm. now that means that J.J. Paterka is moved to a different line and pushed down the line a little bit, which is he your could top stay, goal scorer. He could scorer. stay with Thompson or he could go on the Cousins line. Yeah, I think you got an extra player that, that you know, to make up your top six. And if mm-hmm. it's – so the way that I look at it is, okay, if you want Thompson, Cousins, Middlestad down the middle, then all of a sudden I think whoever is – out of your top six is kind of an, an, an island because you're not breaking up Krebs, Robinson, Oposo. So right. that's not happening. So it, w- it would be a line of Brett Murray, Casey Middlestat, and Victor Olofsson or cousins with Murray and Olofsson. I feel like that is just a, you know, a mismatch of, of what you have left over. And so I would focus on keeping my, you still have to move one player out of the top six. So Correct. it's, 
and I'm not moving Zach Benson out of there. I don't, right. it's funny you say that. I feel like I have a whiteboard right behind my screen and I'm like, who do I move out? Which magnet do I take like from the nameplate and I move out of the top six? It's fun, isn't it? I love it. Oh, I, I hate it because you're stumping me and I, that's not, that's, I don't like to be stumped. Um, you know, so yeah, I don't think of it as stumped. Think of it can as you play uh, 11 and it is an ongoing conversation out loud for everybody to engage in. Can so. they go with 13 forwards and 5D and just <laughs> have like, no, no. <laughs> is that a configuration that has ever been used? No, but the configuration on one's jersey did have a double zero at one point. So I'm forced to ask the question, what is the value of a signed double zero Marty Baran eight by 10, which we saw on the concourse last night? It was asked right to uh, to the, the, the desk. What is the value of it? I can't put a value on it. Look, this picture was taken in January of 1996 at the Montreal Forum in a 7-6 Sabres win. Mm -hmm. uh, the last of its kind at the Forum. Uh, last time I ever wore the double zero in a game, I never wore the double zero in a game after that. Uh, that was my last appearance in a game in the National Hockey League before I made it to the number 43. Mm -hmm. um, so, and it was the Seymour Knox last trip to Montreal. We yeah. documented that game. There's a lot of value added. It's not just because it's me on there. I think that has to be $100. <laughs> okay. Uh, another <laughs> random question here. Chris Baker joining us, by the way, at the bottom of the hour for yeah. prospects as uh, we'll dive in with the, well, honestly, um, the up and down nature and number of recalls that have happened between Buffalo and Rochester this year. So where's his evaluation at of the players that we have seen make that transition, the mm -hmm. upcoming World Juniors in Sweden at the end of the yes. month, and of course, uh, some of the other standout performers within the system. We'll dive into that at the bottom. Um one who starred at the world juniors once has been in goal for Buffalo the last three games. I, I just have to ask the question though, how many more Huskies will score their first NHL goal on fellow Northeastern? Oh my gosh. Devin Levi. Now I, I, I perused the avalanche roster today. Um, the good news is they don't have any. Well, Josh Manson got his first NHL goal a long time ago, but he is a Northeastern alum. So keep that in mind. Yes. But, uh, yeah, as far as I can tell, and quite frankly, Lukanen was in a net by himself today at practice. So Devin may not get the game tomorrow anyway, but, um, well, it, then it, let's it look at the next two games, happened, right? either mm -hmm. Vegas or then it's Arizona again. And then, well, right. there's another, here you get the same squad right in front of you. So, yeah, yeah. um, but in all seriousness, I mean, that's a silly little footnote, not silly for the two individuals in Struble yeah. and Kesserling that got their first NHL goals. But the bigger story is the consistent play of Devin Levi. So. Yes, no. And and it's, and it's yesterday, depending on what sites and what number and what data do you get, you get a okay game by Levi or a really, really solid game by Levi. I tend to lean on the solid game by Levi. I felt like the chances that Arizona was able to generate were quality chances. I thought he was good. Giving up two or less in, a, in an NHL game is the goal for a goalie, right? Like, yeah, you want to give up nothing, but that doesn't happen often. You want to give up one if you could, great. But two is the number. Anytime that you give up three or more, you're obviously putting your team at a disadvantage. Giving up two or less in this game was big for Levi. I thought he uh, he was again good. So now that's three straight starts that he was able to put together. 
He's uh, two zero and one in those, and the only one was a really a a two two tie to the Montreal Canadiens that he lost in a shootout. So um, I feel like he was good. Now I understand Lukanen's back and going to practice as his own net at practice. We may see Lukanen against Colorado, which is fine. You don't have to say, oh, well, Levi is is getting points, so we got to run him out every game. No, I have a plan. I, I always say that. I have a plan. So you look at, you say, okay, let's get Lukanen in one game on Wednesday before possibly splitting over the weekend. And that would assume, I would assume that it's going to be Levi and Lukanen splitting over the weekend, and then you move on to the week after. So you're projecting only one for Levi on the strip then? I would project only one for Levi on this trip, yeah. Unless Wednesday night really didn't go well. But then you also have Comrie in the fold, right? So if Wednesday didn't go well at all for Lukanen, then you would say, okay, well, maybe we have to consider giving Comrie a start when maybe it's Vegas or Arizona. But I would think this is a two-game for UPL and one game for Levi in this upcoming trip. Well, they uh, benefited, the goaltenders, uh, from little bit of an increase in offense of late and especially last night when the empty netter made it a 5-2 Buffalo decision the Sabres are 6-2 and two when scoring four or more this year they're 12-4-1 when scoring three or more which is obviously the more attainable goal on a nightly basis but that number is still very small that they've only had four or more eight times this year I think yes. many would have expected greater and I think we all know that uh, thankfully we're not uh, I'm, I'm only mentioning it because I feel like it at some point has to come up again. It was not a be-all, end-all scenario last night. The game was in good hands before Buffalo was afforded any power play opportunity. They ultimately closed the night 0-2, for 2, bringing them to 225 over the last eight games. So, again, could Tuck help that? Sure, he could. But Tuck has been in the lineup a lot this year when the power play still hasn't had the success they enjoyed in the first half of last year. So I do remember last year we talked about the amount of times they lost the game while scoring four goals, right? And it's mm-hmm. this year it's only happened twice. Like yeah. so you're six and two in those eight games where you scored four or more. That is a, a step forward. You just have to well, be you'll able take to take any create. number crunching that leads to a 750 winning percentage. Hundred percent. If you like, every time we score two, we win three out of four. Yeah. I'd say sign me up for that. But this yeah. is more like soccer numbers, hockey yeah. numbers, NHL numbers. Right now are three and four. That's mm-hmm. the goal. If you're a good defensive team, you need to get to three. If defensively you're a little, you know, middle of the road, lower end of the spectrum, you got to get four. That's what the Sabers. This season are trying to find out where are they? Are they, are we a, we need to score four or more to get success or can we score three or more and limit the, uh, uh, you know, the, the output of the other team? That's what Don yeah. Granado talked about this morning, right? With Jeremy and Joe on WGR. He said, you know what? Like we have to, the last few games, it's given us that. We, this is how we have to win games. And it's not just about scoring goals. Like we became a team that wanted to score goals. Now we have to be a team that wants to win games. And there's a difference in that. No, I want a team that wants to score a goal and win games, but there's always a difference in, you know, playing loose to score goals or playing a little bit tighter, but mm-hmm. to win games. And the last few, few outings here, they have been a team that wants to win games. Well, the disservice of the day uh, caused by us uh, now 22 minutes into the show is that we did not 
tip a cap early on to Connor Clifton. So what does one say about his game, which has now produced four assists in the last three and has him jumping in with great confidence all over the ice? He's not thinking. He's not thinking. He's executing. He's playing right now. I felt like what I was criticizing Connor Clifton of doing early in the year is hanging on to the puck too long. So many times he gets the puck, he's looking over his right shoulder, looking over the left, then he goes back right, goes back left, boom, he gets hit, gets the puck taken away from him, turnover, it's in the back of the net. And that's happened multiple times. Now, what do you see? He goes back, he has one look, and then the puck is gone. He has one look up the ice, that puck is up the ice. He looks to see if his partner's with him. If his partner is backing up, is backing him up, he takes off. He's he's not thinking. And but I also feel that comes with playing on a new a team, that comes with playing with a new defense partner, with new teammates, is that for years you're used to you have the puck, you look to your right, there's somebody, you give him the puck. Right now you're looking, oh, he's not where I thought he was going to be, so I'm gonna hang on to it a little bit. So it took, you know, what, 29 games, well, maybe more more like 20 to 25 games for Connor Clifton to get used to it. But I really like what we're seeing right now. Sabres are looking for young fans to be a part of the game experience on January 20th when the team takes on the Tampa Bay Lightning. It'll be Kids Takeover Day, which we've come to love on an annual basis. And that will include kids taking over roles of junior social media editor, junior reporter, and a lot more. So make your submission at sabres.com slash takeover. Chris Baker. Sabres Prospects, up next. Stay with us on Sabres Live. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.